Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radio Land.
Hey guys, that music right there, of course, the great Sean Baker with the Sean Baker Orchestra. Which Way to Radio Land is that song? And uh, Sean has just been so cool to us here at Talking Metal through the years, letting us play that song over and over and over and over again. And I never, ever get sick of it, Sean. It's so good. As are all your other songs. So definitely uh, go on Spotify, go to iTunes, check out the Sean Baker Orchestra for great instrumental hard rock, mostly instrumental. There's there's some, um, actually on that last record, there was some vocals. So yeah, there you go. And we are back with another episode of the Talking Metal Podcast. Big John Hart, the security guard for Iron Maiden and Kiss and Prince and did some work with Billy Idol. He is with us today, so stay tuned for that. And uh, man, it's so cool because my two favorite bands are probably Iron Maiden and Kiss. And this is the this is the guy who watched over those guys. He was in the Behind the Iron Curtain video. Remember that? I used to have it on VHS. And uh, actually, you know, no, that's wrong. I had it on Betamax, man. Remember Betamax? Beta or VHS? What? Well, which were you? Which were you back in the day? Were you a Beta or VHS? Anyways, uh, yeah, we were Beta, Beta Max, which was a highly superior quality, but because of some corporate greed and, and uh, whatnot, VHS held out. That was that was what they decided to go with and, and market more aggressively than the Beta Max, hence ha- causing the Beta Max to de- definitely fold long before the VHS tape did. But anyways, yeah. I don't know how I got off on that, but Behind the Iron Curtain was an Iron Maiden little uh, video thing that was released on 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 Betamax and VHS, and it, it featured the band Behind the Iron Curtain touring the communist uh, section of, of Europe, and it was great, and Big John Hart was in that. He closed, I think he closed the, uh, the video. He said, no more, and the door shuts yeah, good stuff, but he's also known for being in People Magazine with Kiss and, you know, all that type of stuff, of National Enquirer covering Gene Simmons' face and whatnot. He is the the man, and I just wanted to apologize because, John, I told you, Big John Hart, I told you that, that John Ostrowski, a.k.a. Astronomy, would be co-hosting this episode. We tried to make it work. Uh, we couldn't sync our schedules up, and I don't want to wait any longer. So um, I'm rushing this up right now. I'm recording this on Monday. We'll have this up on Tuesday. And the interview with John was done last week, I believe. I'm trying to remember. Was it the week before? No, I think it was. I think it was last week. No, it was the week before. It was done probably going on two weeks ago at this point. So yeah, we got to get this up and support Big John Hart and his his book that he is writing with the Pledge Music. Uh, Pledge, pledge on Pledge Music. That's what I did, and I, and just uh, check out his sites. We're gonna have all the links up to everything that he's got on social media and the fundraising and the website and all that. That'll be up on TalkingMetal.com, TalkingRock.net. So go check that out. And let's check out a new cover version of Doctor Love by Kiss. Right here on Talking Metal, this is Dan Lorenzo cranking it out here, doing the classic Kiss song, Dr. Love.
Former Overkill drummer on that, Ron Lipnicki, played on all those great Overkill records over the course of the last, wow, I think like two decades, right? Wow. So Ron Lipnicki, one of my favorite drummers, so good. I saw him at the Ace Frehley show recently in Englewood Cliffs, along with Dan and those two guys. uh, It's always good to reconnect with them. So um, that's their song, and, you know, go to danlorenzo.net for more. So that's that, yeah. And now, without further ado, let's get into my interview with legendary bodyguard, Big John Hart, a little maiden to get us into this. This is The Trooper.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line, what an honor, Big John Hart. John, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, uh, you bet. It, it really is it, just so cool to talk to you because for years and years, we've been seeing your picture, whether it's, you know, with the guys in Iron Maiden or, or covering Paul Stanley's face before he gets out of a limo. And, uh, you know, so those are honestly my two favorite bands of all time. You know, Kiss was a band I discovered in my pre-teen years and Maiden was the band of my teenage years. And you were the guy who was the uh, the protector of, of, of my idols. And I, I just wanted to talk to you about your amazing career and the book that you're writing about your life and, and your career. Why did you decide to write a book at, at this this point? Well, um, my friend and business partner, Steve Altman, he'd been asking me for years to, to write a book. Because we know we, we've been friends now for oh, at least 30 years. And we did some work together with Iron Maiden. And that's how we became fast friends. But um, we'd sit around and, you know, we, you know, like friends do, so drinking a beer and shooting the shit. Right. And I bring up these stories and recollections of being on the road with various people. And he said, you need to write a book. And, you know, he it stuck on him. And he, he tried to get me to do this now for quite some time. And um, I finally had to relent after my last... Uh, uh, bout with my heart because I no longer had excuses. The excuses right. used to be I'm working, I don't have time. He came up to me after my uh, my uh, open heart surgery and said, "Well, now you have the time. You can't go to work anymore." Right. So it prompted me to do it, and uh, you know, other people have said similar things to me about that. So I said, "Why not?" You know, the uh, the the fans. I know seem to be interested and I mean, that's just a whole nother category for me. I, uh, I get it and I don't get it, uh, with the fans and, uh, you know, it's quite humbling. It's quite flattering, but when it first started to happen, I genuinely didn't know how to react. Right. Now, now when you say it first, when it first started to happen with the fans, you're referring to just the fact that, that you yourself as the, the bodyguard to celebrities became a celebrity yourself to the fans. Is yeah, that, yeah. I'm sorry to explain that. Yeah, that's it. I remember even when I was working with the bands back in 1980 with Kiss in Australia, I had people there, you know, uh, ask me for my autograph and I didn't know what to make of it. It was like, wait a minute, and I was explaining right. to him, I'm not the band, I'm not, you know, I just work for them. Oh, no, but we want your autograph, too. It's okay, fine. It's a, it's and, but it, it's kind of, it, you feel awkward. Because right. you don't know uh, their side of it or what they see. So it's kind of, you know, now I understand it more and I can appreciate it a whole lot more. Absolutely. And you are doing this through pledge music or you're using pledge music to help raise some of the funds to, to do this. And I just wanted to mention pledgemusic.com slash big, big John Hart. And that's Hart with an E-H-A-R-T-E. And you can go there and you can make a pledge. And I'm guessing there's different packages and stuff you can pledge for and, and receive different, uh, like, what do you call them, Absolutely. like, gifts and, and bonuses for what you pledge? Yeah, there's stuff on there 
uh, for you know all price brackets. And yeah, I'd like for everybody to to be as excited as I am about the book and participate if they can. And um, you know, there's some really neat stuff on there too. I got uh, you know uh, autograph thank yous from me, hand autograph, and um, uh, another one would be a thank you mentioned in the book. Uh, you know their names, and oh. then uh, you got uh, the, the artwork is being done by um, I can't think of his name now. My mind is blank. <laughs> oh, Ken Kelly. Oh, sure. <laughs> and uh, so he, you know, there's going to be some, you know, like the rough outlooks of the book. He's going to let let us have and put them on there, and also, of course. The finished product, as far as lithographs, and then the entire book uh, artwork, uh, once it's completed, will as well be up for sale. Awesome! So the the actual artwork that, that Ken is going to do will will be something that someone can purchase. Absolutely! Wow, that's very cool. Of course, Ken. will be, you know, on the lower end, there'll be there'll be lithographs of that artwork, and also uh, in the beginning. As he's as he's you know roughing out the drawings and getting his ideas together, uh, that will also be made available. Some of it. Wow, that that is very cool. And I wanted to mention right off the bat here that your website is bigjohnhart.com. You're on Facebook. You're on Twitter at Big John Hart, and of course Instagram. We're going to have all these linked through today's show notes on talkingmetal.com and talkingrock.net. And the book itself, John, what direction are you going to go with this book? I mean, we we get some of these rock books that are real juicy and and gossipy and others that are, you know, more, these are the facts, this is what happened. Do you have a, a style of, of writing you're going to go for with this? It'll, it'll be more along the, uh, the, that's the facts type situation. Right. I don't know. The salaciousness stuff, that's all been out there already. To me, that's old news, and I don't find it very exciting either way. The book will be based upon uh, my life, my, how I got into business, and things of that nature. Also, I've done a few of the uh, KISS convention type things. Yes. And the, the question that I get asked the most is, what was it like to be on the road with these people? So I'm going to try to answer that as best as I can and give you the, the idea of what was like, you know, the life that we led on the road. And it, and it transitions from the time I started with Kiss through Iron Maiden and, of course, the other two, like Billy Idol and Prince. Uh, things change because the times change. Technologies change. So all of that's included in there uh, as to how our days would be, you know, in 76 Kiss was working at least six shows a night. Or I'm sorry, six shows a week, if not seven, if they could get it. So we worked all the time. There was not much time for any kind of uh, sitting back and relaxing. And that was our that was our uh, schedule for many months. So you know to share that and what what actually I did, other than stick my hand in a camera and things like that. Right. Right. 
So uh, I, I know a lot has been been said about your time with Kiss. Uh, I know I saw you down at the uh, the Kiss Expo down in Atlanta, which was great. But right now, I wanted to kind of shift a little bit to your time with Iron Maiden. Can you talk about how you got involved with that band and when you got involved with that band? Yeah, I I uh, had met them when I was working with Kiss. They were an opening act in Europe for a while. And um, they had approached me about working for them at that time. And I said, no, i got a big commitment here. I'm not looking to change at all. And they said, okay, but if you change your mind, let us know. And then, you know, by 83, the KISS organization had changed a lot. And I was informed that there'll be no more full-time employment. That it'll be by the tour only. And uh, if there's side work available when, when they were home, you know, of course, I would be asked, but it was not like a bank on. I was married. I, uh, you know, had a house and things like that. So when you have commitments, you have to make sure you get a paycheck all the time. So um, I contacted Iron Maiden and asked them if they were still interested in me. They said yes. So I still had commitments to KISS. And I, you know, worked it out to when their tour was starting, Iron Maiden, that is, and when uh, Kisses was going to be done. Because originally in 83, they were supposed to go to uh, Brazil and then some other dates in South America in May. That didn't work out. It got pushed back to June, and it was only Brazil. So I had already firmed up with Iron Maiden that I would start with them at the start of their tour. So I took... Uh, Kissed to Brazil, did the first week of press, set up Maracanas from the security angle. And then the, the morning of that show, I got on a plane and flew from uh, Rio to Casper, Wyoming to join up with Iron Maiden. Wow. And I guess the, so so that would have been like 1980, I think, when, when Maiden was opening for, for Kiss. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. And there's this story that's been told by Paul Diano in his book, and also, I believe, by Iron Maiden in their official autobiography, where they talk about Gene Simmons showing up at one of the KISS shows they were they were opening for KISS at, wearing an Iron Maiden shirt, and they were all kind of impressed by that. Do you have any recollection, kind of a random question, but of Gene wearing an Iron Maiden shirt back in the, on that tour? I don't. <laughs> okay. recall that at all and I would find that very well out of character really me. okay yeah yeah cool and now he expressed an interest in the band you know because he was always thinking about furthering his whole dollars empire there as far as you know picking up acts and things like that so he may have had an interest in the band for sure right as far as wearing Iron Maiden t-shirts I would find that out of character for him but it's not unthinkable Right, especially if he was trying to impress them and, and wanted to work with them or something. Yeah, but Gene would just probably tell you that he wanted to talk to him. Yeah, it's just very Gene. true. Very true. <laughs> so with your, when you were with Iron Maiden, I guess by the time you, you joined up with them, you were saying 83, that was when Bruce Dickinson was well into the, the band at that point. What was the uh, what was the vibe with Iron Maiden as opposed to Kiss? Was 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 it a m- more close knit 
band? Were they were they as opened with you as maybe Kiss had been? What major differences and similarities did you see between the two bands? Uh, similarities would be worth ethic, ethics. They wanted to play. They play everywhere, anywhere that they could. Uh, differences, they were a little more laid back, and of course, they didn't have the demands of no pictures. Right. Um, there was something else that my in my head. Um, as far as camaraderie goes, they, in the beginning, Kiss, you know, got along real well. These fellas seemed to as well. And they went through, obviously, changes. Uh, you know, uh, Paul Deanna was out and Clyde was out. And uh, I met Bruce and Nico on that day when I arrived at Casper. So, uh, you know, personnel change. But uh, it's still... You know, there was a lot of similarities as far as when I joined Iron Maiden, it was like when I started with Kiss. They were on the rise. You know, they were working towards getting way up there, and they succeeded. But um, as far as everything else, you know, there was, there, was, there was differences as well because, you know, they were English. <laughs> getting, getting used to English humor takes some time, right? and you have to put your ear to it because I didn't understand them head times, but the first part of the tour, trying to master understanding what they were saying. Right on. And what about the type mm -hmm. of fans that would approach the band? I'm sure sometimes you would have to, you know, watch out or maybe even get between fans who were approaching these bands. Was there a big difference between the Kiss fan and the Iron Maiden fan that, you, that you'd see? I don't think so. They They all appeared to be you know, very much into the band, especially those who would come up and approach him, you know, or, or be waiting outside the hotel or at the backstage door area. You know, they, they were fans. They, 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 I don't think they really wanted to hurt anybody. They might get a little overzealous, but it, it wasn't a maligning thing. They weren't being vicious. You know, I just didn't see that. And the bands both were very receptive to that. You know, uh, Iron Maiden more so than Kiss because of the constraints of the makeup and pictures. But when they could, they would go out and talk to people. When they felt comfortable, they would. If they were in makeup, definitely. Iron Maiden, they, I mean, they made my job easy wow. in, in, in certain instances because they, they were fan-oriented. You know, from playing the smaller places throughout Europe, they got used to being in pubs and stuff with the fans. Fans. So it didn't put them off at all to be, you know, in the middle of 20 or 30 people and talking Iron Maiden's business. And right around that time, Iron Maiden had put out this record called The Number of the Beast. And they claimed it was, you know, more of a fictional account of maybe some sort of satanic devil worship seance. But there was uh, certain religious groups and and conservative groups that picked up on this as as something that they did not like, and there were stories that there were protests at some of the concerts. Do you remember any of these protests happening when you were with the band? And did you have how how did you get involved? Did you have to go push the protesters back? Was there anything like that that happened? Uh, most of the time, most of the time, these people would you know set up on a street corner you know, either near or by the venue, and they would uh, be hand out, like we kissed their hand out, uh, hand bills that said Knights and Satan service. With Iron Maiden, it was the number of the beast. 
and and you no, know, they would usually have a uh, a megaphone with them, and they would try to convert all the heathens on their way to the show. Now, you know how successful were they? I don't know. I did uh, earlier on with Kiss. I felt the need to uh, pay attention to those people a little bit more because uh, it was not too long uh, after the incidents of uh, Iran and our people there that we realized that uh, people will do things in the name of religion and not necessarily great things. So we used to have to uh, keep that sort of in our frontal lobe. But basically... I found him to be, uh, you know, wayward shepherds trying to convert the flock. Right, right on. Right on. Now you also worked with Billy Idol, and did did your work with Billy Idol did that come through the Bill of Coin Association? Oddly enough, yes. Uh, I was home. I wasn't working for anyone at the time. I got a call from their office uh, that they needed somebody to go out to California and sort of. Uh, be Billy's minder. He needed he needed some direction. He was out there with Bill Coin. Bill Coin was going through a heavy period in his life, so Billy was basically floundering out there. He was supposed to be having meetings about a movie project and writing material for his upcoming album. Well, neither one of those things were getting done, and Billy had befriended uh, all the uh, worst people in L.A. that he could. Wow, you know all the pariahs and. Stuff they want to party on your dime, and you know, it just there's all there's that in every crowd in every city, though, but more so in LA, it's more prominent. So, I went out there, and uh, basically, my job description was to uh, convince him that he should come home and you know, we you know, pick up where he left off writing and so forth. So, it took me about a month of working with him to uh get him to feel comfortable about everything. And I convinced him that, you know, he'd be probably be better off to go home because the, uh, you know, you wouldn't spend less money. You're in more familiar surroundings and uh, you can get down to work. And that's what we did. And then I thought I was going to be done, but they kept me on for the duration of the album. And when it was over, then I was finished. Wow. Wow. And Prince is another just major name that you worked with. What, what year were you involved with Prince? Uh, a 87, uh, for about three, four months, maybe, maybe five, uh, was the love sexy tour. I was hired to, uh, provide venue security because they were going to Europe and doing outside venues and they really wanted somebody just to, to care for that situation, which I did and I had experience with it. So then, uh, when we finished Europe, we come back to the States, they asked me to stay on. And again, in the same capacity. And I did. And then uh, I took that all the way to when they were going to be leaving for Japan. Japan, I wasn't needed. I'd been to Japan a couple of times, but I knew that uh, the Japanese, they have they provide you with the National Police Department and a whole bunch of other things. So there wasn't no much room for me there. And for us, Prince, he had nine bodyguards of his own, one including his brother. So he was... You know, he was in good company. He wasn't. He wasn't at a loss or anything. Yeah, I saw that that tour, Love Sexy, in Philadelphia. That was a it was a great great night. Let's let's talk about the book. How far along are you with the writing process at this point? Well, we're about halfway, I think. But then again, I don't know. Uh, you know, we're we're 
we put a lot of things on paper. Uh, you know, I did a, a bunch of interviews. I have a writer. His name is Tony Mann. So he's helping me uh, get this together. So we got a bunch of stuff there. We've done some interviews with some of the people that I have worked with, uh, some of the people that I worked for, some of the opening acts, uh, some of those some of those people, you know, just to get their input on on me and, and uh, what they thought about the whole experience and, you know, different things that they encountered with me that uh, you probably wouldn't encounter with other people or on other tours. So I think it's going to be a good read. I think the fans are going to find it interesting. We've been putting together pictures from wherever I can find them and my business partner, Steve Altman, can find them uh, that weren't released. Things, you know, there's, there's a lot of photo shoots that went on with Kiss uh, and Iron Maiden that, uh, you know, the focus obviously is the band. But every now and then I wind up in a picture, so that is not used. So I'm looking to find them so that there's an array of, of different looks for the fan to see. Gotcha, gotcha, cool. And was there training that was involved to be a bodyguard? Like, how do you become a bodyguard? I know it's probably a, a long answer, but the short version. How, how do you become a bodyguard? I'll try to shorten it up. In the early 70s, I was in a rock band like everybody else that was in my neighborhood. And, uh, you know, I got a taste of the the notoriety thing or the fun of it. And then, of course, you guys went decided to go to college, so we broke up that band. And I decided at that point that I wanted to work in the industry because I had a better shot at doing that than becoming a successful bandmate. So I, you know, I, I started searching out ways to get involved. I was on a ticket line in '72 for an outdoor venue. Fella uh, hired me. There was a fight outside, and I was instrumental in breaking that up okay when so they approached me for a job so i got to work security at that venue they also had another venue in Passaic, new jersey called the capitol theater i started working there through the same people and then from there it blossomed out to well, what am i going to do how am i going to find my niche and i would work everything i'd work as a stagehand i learned how to run spotlights i did some some uh, uh band work uh, you know i worked for a studio instrumentals in new york Learned how to, you know, different things about instruments and some lighting and, and, and sound. So I had a, a fairly well-rounded understanding of what's going on. And then the fellow who had hired me for uh, the security venue went to work for KISS. And he knew that I had expressed a desire to go on the road. And he, in turn, uh, called me uh, when KISS wanted to add to their personnel. And that's how I wound up there. Wow. And from there, you just sort of, it, there was no training manuals. It was all new territory because we weren't strict security like uh, like for the president or, or a congressman or, any, or even a, the mayor. You get to the police department. We had to have a little flexibility, but yet due to jobs or tasks that were put before us. So there was a learning curve about a lot of that stuff. There wasn't, when I started in the industry, there was no such thing as a stick-on backstage pass. That wow. technology hadn't caught up to us then. I remember doing uh, shows at Madison Square Garden for the Dylan and Band Tour in 1974, and we used uh, like, like little cam tour 74 in different colors. 
we have one color for each night. Right. You wow. know, so all these things started to to be developed and come about and find the best areas, the best things that are going to work. And of course, somebody got the idea of, of the uh, backstage pass. They started using uh, just like paper handouts. We have you know the the, uh, the logo of the promoter on there or or the building you're playing, and then there'd be a space to write in the act and the date. So that escalated into the sticky material once that was available. Then the band started taking over that responsibility, so you had more control of who's getting access to your act while you're at the venue. And then, of course, the uh, the hard passes for touring personnel and things like that all developed along this time. And, you know, part of my job was, was you know, I was involved in all of that. You know, I was the one who made every kiss pass. You know, every, every, every hand, every, every stick on and every uh, hard pass was made by me. Very cool. Sure. Do, you, do you hear much from the guys in KISS, from the, the original four members, Gene, Paul, I, Peter? I Reese. keep with them on a fairly regular basis, on a strict regular basis. Right. And yet, and the, they are going to be in the book, uh, some of them, and uh, Iron Maiden as well. You know, I keep in touch with a couple of them fellows. One of them lives down here not too far from me. And, uh, you know, we, we I see them when they're in town. and Because they're always all over the place, Iron Maiden. They're never one place too long. Right, right. And especially when they're not working. Then they go even further. But, right. uh, you know, uh, every now and then I'll get a phone call from, from somebody like Steve Harris. You know, we'll catch up a little bit. And uh, it's nice, you know. Uh, Billy Idol, not so much, and Prince. Well, of course, uh, that that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, well, John, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I I really encourage all the Talking Metal listeners to get involved with this book. And I mean, you can really get involved. Like you said, you can even get a, a, a special thanks inside the book. There's all sorts of great perks, I guess you'd call them, that you can get. You can even have a, a sit-down coffee date with, with, with Big John Hart himself. There's all sorts of stuff. We're going to have it linked through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com, TalkingRock.net, and I will definitely be heading over to the, uh, the Pledge Music page to, to make my own pledge for the book. And I, I really appreciate the time you've spent with us here today, and I can't wait for the book. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the support you just mentioned, and uh, we'll talk to you again in the not-too-distant future, I hope. I hope so, John. Thank you very much.
Yeah, Sweet Pain by Kiss. One of my favorite Kiss songs right there. So good. Love it. Love Big John Hart. I want you guys to go support him. All right, that's probably going to do it for today's show. Remember to support me on Patreon. All the supporters there get a T-shirt. And I did want to read, actually, a couple emails before I sign off here. Actually, first, you know what? Let's hear from this guy. Hey, Mark. This is Jerry from Long Island. Jerry. Didn't go anywhere. Just let's remind the uh, listeners here that we got three nor'easters in 10 days. I've been dealing with snow, wind, rain, floods, three different airport delays, ran into Spike Lee at JFK. Crazy, crazy weather here. But I'm still here, and the pre-Saxon show is this Saturday, St. Patty's Day, the Coliseum on Long Island. And I want you to play Sniper from Saxon and Rising from Ruins from Judas Priest. It's going to be a killer fucking night. See you, Mark. Jerry, thank you. And yeah, man, another snowstorm on the way, right? Wow. It's supposed to hit tomorrow, I guess. Anyways. Damn. Priest tonight for me, dude. Can't wait to see the great priest who I know you saw out in Long Island. And I know you requested two songs there. Let's, uh... You know what? Let's hit the Saxon one, and I'll try to get that priest one on for you in in the future. Here we go. Stop your aim is true 
Sniper by Saxon, as requested by Jerry. Thanks for checking in, Jerry. Here's an email. Hey, Mark. I'm proud to support you on Patreon. For the teacher, I'm an extra large, and he gives us a dress out, uh, which is in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. I'm proud to represent the show and get you some more listeners. Keep rocking. I hope to meet you at a show at some point. By the way, I'm Greyhound Dad on Instagram. I know that account well. Love that account. Uh, love, love the dogs. And I really enjoy the posts that Emily puts up of your dog, my dog Ozzy, who is right here. Um, old man Ozzy, almost 11 years old. I can't believe it. Uh, but thanks. Thanks, man. Thanks. And yeah, Emily is on Instagram at Space Pony. So check her out. I can't remember if it's a dot or a dash. It's like either space dot pony or space dash pony. But yeah, check her out on Instagram. Mike Jones sent that email. Mike, thank you for your support. And the t-shirt is on the way. I used to work in Lawrenceville and uh, lived in Pennington for a long time. Saw some great shows down in City Gardens. I don't know how long you've lived in Lawrenceville. Saw Paul Stanley down there, Bullet Boys Warrant, who else? Danzig, you know, the Ramones, so many great shows at City Gardens in Trenton, Trenton, New Jersey. And thank you for supporting us on Patreon, Mike. Uh, BJ sent me an email. Mark, I know it's a bit late. Yet I'm a proud listener to your podcast, as is my 16-year-old son, Brody. Been a hard rock metal fan since he was in his mama's womb at concerts. If you might have an extra medium shirt, he would wear it proudly with his concert shirts. He wears defiantly at Gould Ski Academy, where he attends school. That sounds awesome. I was just skiing this weekend up at Whiteface Mountain. Where, where is that Gould Ski Academy? That's cool. He goes to school for skiing. That's awesome, man. Um, I'm just, just like, as I'm sitting here, just seeing where that is located. I think you're up in Maine, right, BJ? So let's see. Your son Brody goes to school. Yeah, in, in Maine, it looks like. Bethel, Maine. That's, that's very cool. And Brody, uh, be safe when you're skiing. Man, I froze my butt off at Whiteface Mountain this past weekend. I, I almost thought I had frostbite in my hand. It was so numb. And then, then I went inside and it was just like tingling and painful. It's all right now. So anyways, uh, BJ continues with his, with his email, hoping to get down to M3 this spring. So Brody might be able to meet you. And he is such a rock fan and looking to carry on the podcast tradition to the next generation. He was planning on starting a school radio station for his senior project, and some pecker took his idea and laughed ahead of him. Grr. Attaching a few photos of my boy. Yeah, some great pictures here that you sent me, BJ, of you and Brody. Brody, uh, if you're listening, wow, that's uh, that's great. I'm so glad you love this style of music. I'm always so concerned younger younger people aren't liking it, so it warms my heart to hear you're out there. If you guys do make it down to M3, we definitely got to say hello. Um, I'm 
think I'm going to be there for both days, definitely the second day or hopefully the second day, uh, just trying to work everything out. It is a great festival, and it's going to be awesome this year with Queensryche and Ace Frehley and Loudness. I've never seen Loudness. I can't believe I've never seen one of my favorite bands, Loudness, and they're playing this year. They were supposed to play last year. They can't. They couldn't get into the country, though, so I'm hoping everything goes smooth with that this year. Great stuff. BJ, thank you for your email, and thank you for supporting me on Patreon. With that said, let's wrap it up. This is A Little Loudness with Rock and Roll Gypsy, produced by Eddie Kramer, the famous engineer who, of course, worked with Kiss, Hendrix, Zeppelin, among so many others. Yeah, Eddie Kramer does this one, guys. Yeah, this is Rock and Roll Gypsy.
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.